dang. Ooh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, whoa. This is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Okay, folks. Saddle up. Don and I had such a great time chatting with Phil uh, about Android Studio that we refused to let him go. We kept him on for another 30 minutes so we could bring you this special additional fragment. Uh, So this is part two of the series. If you haven't listened to part one, you really should. Uh, We have dropped a link to that in the show notes so you can quickly hop there, listen to that episode and jump back here. This also ends up being uh, an action-packed episode. So let's dive back in. So one other tip that I've seen mentioned, like uh, there are a couple of these advanced Android Studio sessions that happen in IO, right? And the post-fix completion is one that's talked of very highly. I found myself using this, but I want to get uh, more tips and advice on how one can use uh, the post-fix op- operator. And is it possible to write your own uh, post-fix sort of like completion operator? Could you tell us more about this? Yeah, so first of all, what is post-fix completion? Well, it started out as a plugin uh, from IntelliJ and it eventually got rolled out into IntelliJ itself. It was a way to try to write code without having to use the left key to go back. So when you're writing in Java, usually you're starting to, to type something and then uh, you write your variable and then you go back to write your for loop, for example, or then you go back to write the assignment or use um, something else. Um, what Postfix was is just a way to just keep on typing. So the way it works is that you're going to type what you need to type. So for example, your variable name, and then you, you press your dot and you can add something else, like for example, for or field or variable or parent. And what it's going to do when you press tab is execute some sort of a code completion and modify the current code. So for example, if you were to type uh, hello dot, um, dot paren, P-A-R-E-N, it would just wrap everything inside uh, of parentheses. Or if you were to do um, view.cast, it would actually uh, invoke the live template or something like this to uh, cast this variable to something else. So it would wrap it inside of parentheses, do the other parentheses, and put your cursor at the right place to start writing your cast. Dang. So oh, it's whoa. It's useful for parentheses, for casting, um, for for loops, uh, sometimes for if statements, it can be useful. I've also, only but, ever used this for for and if statements. I didn't even know this was possible with like the parentheses and the cast thing. Where can, do you know where we can find out more of or a list of the postfix completion options? Yeah, absolutely. So what you can do is go into the settings uh, of Android Studio uh, in uh, editor, general, and uh, postfix completion. And it there's actually like a big list of everything that's available, but... <laughs> Even better than that, there's like little animation from before and afters and where your cursor should be to invoke this uh, postfix completion. And you're going to see everything. You could also disable some if you really don't want them, but uh, you should try to use them. So go take a look in uh, Editor General Postfix Completion and um, give, it a, give it a go. Wow, they have some for lambdas. Oh, damn, this is cool. Yeah, the only sad thing is that um, contrary to, let's say, live templates, you cannot add your own. So all these postfix are do not have a templating language. They're really hard coded in IntelliJ. 
So you, uh, you're stuck with the one that you have. I see. I see. Oh, wow. This is uh, <laughs> like I, I typed this, you know, to you guys. And I just want to say it on, on, on the air here that it just, uh, my mind is completely blown by by some of these things i've been using oh, just yeah. like you philip i've been using intellij since uh before you know android studio was ever announced back when it was just a plug-in um and i was the same as you i came from uh, eclipse where i was familiar with it and as soon as i got used to intellij it was great and i feel like i know so much of intellij and then i sit down with folks like you and michael bailey and so forth and other developers and see these tips and it just completely just get blown away so huge thanks on on these ones Okay, now one of the things that I've used, geez, way back, you know, I'm going to be dating myself here, but prior to Android development, I did a lot of .NET development, and I used the ReSharper plugin, which is also by the folks at JetBrains, and back in those days, you could create your own templates of where you could type a couple of letters, hit tab, and then you'd get this humongous chunk of code that you could kind of fill out different pieces through. Uh, and it could be the variable names. It could be a, a different type of for loop. Maybe you're going to build a, a unit test kind of template. These things are known as live templates inside uh, of, of IntelliJ. There are some that are built in. Which ones would you say that are, are very useful to you? And, and do you have any that you would say that you need everybody needs to create and have in their arsenal? So I think that the uh, most interesting ones uh, in my day-to-day -day job would be probably the one that were built by the Android team. So if you are using the default logger, for example, uh, there are a couple of very interesting live templates. So for example, there is log T that will just create your tag. And what's interesting is that it's going to create not only uh, like the private static string tag, but it's also automatically going to put the string of the current class name, which is uh, pretty useful. And after that, there are others like for log D and log I and log uh, V and whatnot that will just reuse this same tag and log uh, already the name of the current method. And after that, you can put whatever you need inside of your logs. So that's super useful. And there is there is one that is super crazy that it's, I'm just impressed that they were able to pull this live template off. Uh, it's called, um, let me verify, I think it's log M. So log M, what it does is log your method name and the parameters and the value of each parameters in uh, one fell swoop. And what is super interesting in there is that they use a groovy script to do it. So it's a little known fact that when you are writing live templates, you can actually inject groovy inside of your live templates to uh, go to some very interesting uh, results. That is cool. I had no idea you could do that. For the longest time, I always confused. Like I always thought uh, the post fix and the live templates were very similar, but I I seem to understand now like the difference uh, between the two because they have like very explicit use cases. This log M thing is crazy. This is, uh, I, I know uh, Jake had this uh, library called Qgo, I think, right? Uh, which sort of like auto logged this thing. Uh, but I think, yeah, this log M would serve the same purpose. Absolutely. But if you're not using, for example, uh, the default logs and you are using uh, Timber. Timber, yeah. What, what you can actually be doing is creating your own live templates. And this is where things get very interesting. I, I touched on it a little bit with the, uh, the Groovy script. But what's interesting is that every time that you have a code snippet that you would like to reuse, you can actually select it inside of your IDE and go to uh, Tools and Save as Live Template. And this thing will just be reusable everywhere as is. But live templates are not simply 
code snippets is it's a lot smarter than that. It actually allows you to add variables and to add, add landing points, I will say, inside of this template, so editing points. So what you can do uh, when you are working with live templates is find something that you would really want to reuse, uh, save it as a live template, and then when you get to the live template edition screen, just after you saved it, you can add variables that are enclosed uh, in dollar signs, and then you can edit those variables to put uh, some smarts in them. So when you click on it, there's an edit variable button, and there are a couple of built-in functions that you can use. So for example, one function would be, what is the current class name? Or what is the current method name? What is the date? What is the file uh, path? What, what is your name, for example, if it's set somewhere? So there are a couple of interesting things. And there's also like this crazy groovy script where you can do pretty much uh, everything that you want. But so if you want to get started with writing your own live templates uh, one day, is uh, is simply you just open the uh, live template uh, preference pane and you just take a look at everything that's there because all the live templates that you can use uh, are all built with the same tools that we can use. So there's nothing hard-coded there. So you just take a look, you learn from what's already there, and then you can come up with your own. One of the ones that I actually use for live templates that I love for some reason, I've done this for over a decade now, coming back even from .NET days, was uh, I... I love to use the assert that syntax instead of unit tests. And so then I'll usually do it like an AT or whichever one's not used, like an ATH or something. And then it will actually fill out the assert that syntax for assert J or whatever platform I'm using. And then I can put in my assertions directly just by tabbing, filling it out, and it'll, it'll end it'll end right after the semicolon. And then I can just really quickly type out my tests. So uh, one thing that they recently uh, announced from Android Studio, which basically came down with IntelliJ's sort of editor, is the whole structural search and replace uh, functionality. Can you tell us what it is, uh, how you would use it? Have you used it before? Like, what's up with this feature? Yeah, so structural search and replace is very interesting. It's been in IntelliJ uh, for like forever, but for the longest time, it was one of the features that was reserved for paying users. So starting in, uh, I think, IntelliJ 15, uh, they put it down to the community edition, so we got it into Android Studio. And structural search is super interesting. What it is actually is a kind of search that is aware of the Java syntax. So it's not doing only full text search. You can add patterns to try to find something very specific about Java structure. So for example, you could uh, do a search for uh, only fields that start with the letter M if you want to find, uh, like if you're using Hungarian notation in your code base, for example. <laughs> <laughs> well, AOSP uses it. Must be good, right? Uh, no comment. <laughs> so yeah, you can uh, search for for loops. You can do something crazy like uh, trying to find all the try catch where you're using a catch but with logging an exception. Uh, you can go very crazy with it uh, very fast. It's it, it works in some pretty much. I don't want to say like a regex because that's certainly not a regex, but what you end up doing is uh, much like the live templates, you have some uh, code structure, then you have variables and you can set those variables to match something a bit more precise. So for by default, you had a variable, it's going to say, well, I expect something is going to be there, mm -hmm. but I don't know what, that's fine. Or you can say, all right, I know that this is a field for this variable, so I will put a regex on the name of the field. So for example, it starts with the letter M followed by uh, one capital letter. So see if there's Hungarian notation anywhere. 
You can also like add filters, like uh, I want this thing to happen only once or at least once an infinite amount of time, uh, never be there, all uh, that kind of thing. And it's uh, it's kind of hard to start using it from scratch. Uh, so you can take a look at the documentation, but nobody wants to do that. So <laughs> what you can actually do is when you open the uh, structural search, which uh, you can use by like command shift A and uh, search uh, structurally, there is a button that's called copy existing, existing. template. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, you're going to see a slew of searches that you could be doing that are usually very interesting. So like there's one called uh, all feeds, all fields of a class, like all the subclasses, uh, all the lambdas, all the method calls. So it's going to give you something very generic, but then you can tweak it to your liking. So for example, if I just wanted to find my Hungarian notation thingy, I could take one that's called uh, all fields of the class. So I'm going to have already uh, good life templates that find all the fields, and then I can just edit my life template say, all right, I'm just going to put a regex on this variable saying it has to start with the letter M. And just by running this, I can see uh, everything in my in my project that starts with the letter M. Every field that starts with the letter M is going to ignore methods, is going to ignore variables, is going to ignore inner classes. It's really only going to take fields. And it's going to be good just to see if I have anything left. And what is super interesting, and I think they talked about it at I.O., is that once you have a uh, structural search working, you can actually transform it in some sort of a poor man's lint check. Oh, yeah. So what you can do is go into the inspection list of IntelliJ. So like uh, go to preferences, look at inspections. There, There's one that is called um, structural search inspection, and you can add your recent structural search there. So if I was to add something called, well, my Hungarian notation, it's bad, don't use it. Mm-hmm. I just copy paste my, well, I just use my previous template. Right. And then next time I see an M in a field name, it's going to flag it as a warning inside of, uh, of IntelliJ. And what is super cool also with this is that this configuration is bound to your project and not to your uh, installation of Android Studio. So you can actually check this inspection into source control and all your colleague will get it. So if you do add an inspection, everybody on your team will understand that this is bad using your annotation, for example. This is super cool. And you mentioned regex, but I think this is like 10 times more intuitive than regex. It almost gives you the benefits of regex, but you don't have to go through like the gnarly sort of uh, syntax that's associated with regex. I recently used this uh, because uh, we had uh, an application that we moved all the logging to Timber, uh, speaking about Timber, like you mentioned before, and I actually used the structural search and replace too because we had log statements all over the code base, right? It would be impossible to manually go and change it. Uh, We used the structural search and replace and boom, within like 15 minutes, like we had the complete code base updated. So this is tremendously useful. Absolutely. And it's funny you would say that because I gave a talk about uh, structural search uh, at 360 Dev, and I'm uh, giving it also at uh, DroidCon New York uh, this coming in September. And one of the examples that I used for structural search is actually to uh, migrate timber to Timber. Oh, sweet. So I suppose it's a very common use case. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll add links to that. Are, are your talks up online somewhere? Not yet, but it should be coming uh, in the coming weeks. Perfect. So when it does, we'll make sure to update the show notes and we'll let our listeners know. There's a lot of times that I'm inside of my day-to-day development workflow 
and sometimes I need to uninstall the app I have and I need to kill the app, I need to start it, do a whole bunch of different kinds of things and, and various different you know workflows that I have. I have resorted to creating shell scripts to kind of do these things and adding them to my, my profile, my bash profile. And so I can just say, uninstall X where X is whatever client that I'm working with at that time. And then, you know, or kill X. And unfortunately I find myself doing this over and over and over. And, and I've kind of recently just kind of gave up on it. Now you have a plugin that kind of does this for you. It's the ADB idea plugin. Can you talk a little bit about what it is and what it does and, and how it could help developers? Yeah. So ADB idea is a plugin that I uh, wrote uh, years ago just to scratch my own itch uh, it was just there there seemed like some features that should be there in android studio to just restart your app or uninstall it because if you remember back in the days uh, if there was already an application on a phone and you were trying to deploy and it was not the same key store it just would say that it's not the same key store so i cannot deploy it at the time there was no uh, option to just uninstall it and reinstall over it. So it was really a common occurrence. So the first thing I wanted to do was was simply to be able to uninstall the app quickly without having to go to my phone and uninstall it or go to the terminal. So I added a simple command just called adb uninstall. So it would just take what is your current app based on your current project, take the package and just call, well, uh, adb uninstall. And then I found that there were a couple of other comments that would be very useful to have. So for example, just restarting the app. So making sure that it really gets killed and starting it from scratch. So I added like an ADB restart. Uh, another one was uh, clear all the data and the caches just to, um, to fake the fact that it's a fresh new install. So sometimes you're testing like logging logic or first time experience or whatnot. So it's just super useful to be able to quickly restart the app in a completely fresh state. So I, I, this plugin is available in the plugin repository. Uh, it's called ADB Idea. And once you have it, you can do like uh, control shift and A and get a list of everything that you could be doing right now. So the current option would like to uninstall the current app, to kill it, to restart it, or to clear the data. Simple things, big time saver. Very nice, very nice. And uh, yeah, we'll add a link to this definitely in the show notes so we can get to use it. I've always been jumping into command line and doing these things. It would be pretty sweet to have this uh, <laughs> plugin in. So one other uh, tip that you mentioned in the notes that we had is analyzing data flow, both to and from a certain point. Uh, I have never used this. Uh, can you talk us through this one? Yeah, so this is um, a way to understand where a variables come from. So analyze flow to here would be I click on a variable in one of the method, but I'm just trying to understand where does it come from? Where was the first assignment? So when I click this, it's gonna go through the whole um, hierarchy to find where it comes from. So if I'm in a, in a method and this came in as a parameter, if I click on it, it's gonna say, all right, it came from this parameter. And then this parameter uh, was passed in at this method call site. And from this call site, it came as another parameter, which came from a field, Whoa. which came from... So you can pretty much trace back where a variable comes from. I just tried this now and I can see it's so cool, especially if you have like a like multiple layers of abstraction and like you have like this one variable somewhere inside an implementation for some interface. This is super cool. Yeah, and there's from the, the um, opposite, which is analyze data flow from here, which would be, well, this is my variable right now. I'm just wondering where is it going to end up? So if I'm passing things, let me ask you this. If I'm passing a, let's say an integer 
through a parcelable, will it be able to track that if I'm, you know, way down in a fragment and I'm saying, I need to know where this, you know, this field came from, which is an object, but it was actually hydrated from a, a query that came from an ID that came from a parcelable that came from a different activity. Can it trace all that all that way up? You'd have to do it in two, in two passes, I think. So once you're deserializing your... Um or on parceling, parcelable, there is going to be uh, evidence that, well, this is where it comes from, but I, IntelliJ won't be able to do the link between like the parceling and the unparceling. Okay. But okay. once you know that it comes from parcelable, then you can do the opposite gotcha. and take a look at when you were parceling it, where does it come from at that point? Gotcha. Okay, cool. Now there's a couple of other cool things that you can do inside of Android Studio and you can link, apparently link Android Studio with some external tools or even have various VCS integrations like GitHub and so forth. What, uh, what would you use some of these integrations for, or have you used any of them before for like external tools at all? Yeah, so external tools, I've started using it uh, recently. So like the name implies, it's pretty much using something that is outside from Android Studio, but from within Android Studio. So what it usually allows you to do is call an external program and pass it any number of interesting parameters, like the current file name or the working directory. Uh, you can ask for a prompt or for the date or something like that. So what I've been using it mostly for recently is uh, when I have like markdown files or JSON files that I don't want to edit into Android Studio, I want to edit them in Sublime Text or in Atom. Mm -hmm. I just added an external tool for Atom and Sublime Text where I just right click a file and set external tools, open in Atom. So it's just going to take the current file and open it uh, somewhere else. Or for markdown, I use a tool called Marked that's just a, a great markdown previewer. So yeah, markdown file, right click, open and marked. So this is mostly what I'm using the external tools for, but technically you could do pretty much whatever you want with it since you can pass like the project folder or the current file to a tool. So you can figure some uh, interesting uses for it. And that's set up inside of the preferences, right? Preferences, tools, external tools, and then you can kind of add whatever you want. So if you prefer Atom or, and I prefer Sublime Text or, or whatever, I can go ahead and add those programs. And even if there's like an external script, uh, you know, like Kaushik has mentioned many scripts he's written here on the on the show. You could link those different tools to perform some types of actions for you, correct? Absolutely. Uh, you can call like anything from the command line also. So one joke that I made to somebody at one point was to add an external tool that piped into the say command on OS X that's just gonna say something. So and I and linked this tool to the um, to the run configuration. So when he was launching his app, it would say like build complete every time on the speaker super loud. So that's cool. I actually think I'm going to add that. <laughs> now, there's also a cool little integration. If you have, was it the GitHub integration? So you've enabled uh, Git as the version control system on, you know, inside of the, the IDE. You can actually right click in a, in a file and go down to open in GitHub, or you can actually create a gist uh, from your actual file. So that's also another cool thing that you can do inside of Android Studio uh, if anybody is has GitHub or uses GitHub at their company. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the, the command line. That's where a lot of us spend a lot of time. Perhaps you're performing Gradle commands, maybe you're looking at uh, different types of logs or you're, you're using some type of tool to filter those logs for you. Um, we're always in the command line at, at some point in time. Now, is it possible, do you know, to have, to open, well, let me ask you this differently. Is it possible to open a file from the command line uh, so Android Studio just fires up with that file open, or is there anything I could do from the command line to maybe even you know diff files or, or anything like that? Or any 
tips that, that are out there regarding the command line integration? So uh, if you take a look at uh, your menus in Android Studio, there's one that's called Tools, and there is an option that's called Create uh, a Command Line Launcher. So also, you could also go like Command Shift A, Command Line uh, Launcher. But what it's going to do, at the very least on uh, Linux and OS X, I hope it does so on Windows, but I have not checked. But, well, yeah, Windows come in line, not best friends usually. But what you can do is create a command line launcher. What it's going to do is provide you with an option to uh, add an alias to Studio. So usually it's going to go like to user slash local slash bin slash Studio. So what it means is that once this thing is created, when you're on the command line, you can do Studio, pass it a file. It's going to open this file uh, in Studio. Uh, very useful, or you can also open a new project with this. So let's say you just git cloned a project from uh, from GitHub, and you are on the command line at that point. You can do like studio dot on this project, and it would open it, which is a, an interesting time saver. And one of the great thing I think about uh, Studio is it has one of the best uh, diffing and merging tool I've seen yet. It's it's among the best, at least in my opinion. And you can actually use it from the command line to diff two files that are not even inside of your project. So once you are in the command line and you've created your launcher and the studio uh, alias does work, you can do like studio dash dash help and it's going to give you a list of what studio can do from the command line. And like the third one, it's called studio diff and you pass it two files. And what's it's going to do, you pass those two files, you're going to open the studio with the same diff that you would see usually when you are trying to resolve a merge conflict in your own project. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah, the stu- the diffing tool with IntelliJ, like we mentioned in a previous episode, is by far one of the best ones that are available. So we talked a lot about like some of these specific features, but one thing I was curious to know was, uh, do you have any interesting uh, sort of configurations that you have uh, set up in your environment, like specifically when you work for uh Android applications, right? Like, are, like, what are your default settings? Uh, can you like talk us through some of the some of those things? Yeah, so uh, I really use usually the, the the defaults from Android Studio with like very little tweaks. So, like you said, line numbers. I think line numbers are not there by default, and I don't know why. So, I this is usually the first thing that I I just activate. So, yeah, right click on the left gutter and do line numbers. It saves a lot of time. It's useful to have. Uh, one thing that I think is not there by default is uh, to use uh, what they call camel hump words. So what it means basically is uh, do you honor camel case uh, as different words? So for example, if I have a method that's called get name and I press uh, alt and left and right, if uh, for get name, if it's not activated, if I'm at get and I press right, it's going to go to the end of the method like at the end of the name. And if I press left, it's going to go to the beginning of the method or the variable. But if I have camel humps, I would have a stop at after get. So I could go like get name, and then I'm at the end. So this thing is very useful when you want to like copy a part of uh, a camel case word, for example, or you want to select it everywhere in your, um, in your file. So this is one thing super useful. Uh, one of the... <laughs> One of the most useful ones, I don't know if it's by default now, but it wasn't uh, back in the days, uh, is related to um, how the next error shortcut works. So if you have errors or warning in your file, you can press uh, F2 to just quickly go from one error side to the other. So if you look at the right gutter of your file, you're going to see usually like uh, red and 
uh, yellow rectangles or yellow ticks. And it tells you like there's an error or warning there. And by default, the errors are on both errors and warnings. So that's fine. If you press F2, you're going to cycle through errors and warnings. But there is a setting that's called next errors goes to high priority problems only. And what it means is that if you have both errors and warnings, well, F2 will only go through errors. So you can just fix your errors because that's probably the most important thing for you to do right now in this file. And then once your errors are all fixed, you can go to just fix warnings and F2 will go through warnings. Very cool. See this next highlighted error thing. Like I, this wasn't something that I actually used. I used to like use like you scroll through my gutter looking for those like icons and then quickly find. <laughs> Pretty useful when you are doing like a, a manual merge also because this the little um, oh, signals yeah. that get put like the the carrots or the. Um, greater than signs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well those are errors the, this does not compile so it's a great way to find like the next place you need to be editing your diff yeah good point good point yeah otherwise i think that one of the uh the other cool config that should be on by default it's one that's called uh inline it's, it's called inline parameter names for literal call arguments Whoa. so basically <laughs> go into your go into your settings and i'm gonna say it again Inline parameter names for literal call arguments. Long name, but for a very interesting concept. So one of the things that they say in a clean code is that if you have more than one parameter in your method, it's getting harder to understand. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but if you have some, a method that's called like set name and you see a name, it's pretty easy to understand what it is. Right. If it's like set name, fill, zero or set fill name zero false and then null i mean you have no idea what these things zero false and null means they could be anything it's like uppercase is that like a last name what is it you need to inspect the code to understand what it means but what inline parameter names for literal color argument does is that it's going to fold the uh, the parameter with oh. like a label that is pretty much the parameter name itself. So if, for example, the name, it was set name, it was, the first was a name and the other one was a last name and you pass, you pass in null, well, it's going to say in gray, uh, last name, colon, null. So you, you can see what each uh, parameter does as long as it's a, a literal, like a, like an int, a null, a string. Uh, it won't do it for variables because usually your variables should be properly named, so you shouldn't have to put in the um, the parameter name. That kind of works. So pretty much the syntax looks like name parameters in other languages, like Kotlin, for example. You and you mentioned this was in the general settings. Is that where we find this? Absolutely. Well, the interesting thing about the settings in IntelliJ is that there is a search at the top left. So when you start uh, typing in the search, it's going to filter for everything, including the settings that are uh, everything, all the settings that are uh, in the settings uh, pane. So not only like the section names, but every settings in every section. So if you just type literal or inline parameter, you should find it uh, pretty quickly. Very nice, very nice. Uh, I think at this point, we've covered like a whole bunch of like interesting stuff. Uh, are there any like final uh, pointers that you want to leave our listeners with? Because I noticed there's one you mentioned called like compare with clipboard. I'm curious about that one. Yeah. How do you how do you use that one? Uh, what you can do is um, pretty much what it says. <laughs> you just um, select you just select something. Uh, you copy it. You go somewhere else. Uh, you select it. You right click. Copy compare with clipboard. So whatever is in your clipboard, you can just do a selection somewhere. Right click 
split compare is going to do their usual diffs. Oh, okay. You know, I never even noticed that that setting. That's super awesome. So it can be useful when you want to diff something that is, uh, let's say, outside of IntelliJ or config files, something like this. You just like copy it on one line, and then the other line, you, um, which is something else, you just compare it with that. Ah. Uh-huh. It can be useful in some cases. Okay, okay. So so the way we do this is you copy first, so then that goes into your clipboard history, and then you don't have to copy the next thing. You select it, and then you say compare with clipboard. Absolutely. Whew, this uh, this is going to take me some time. I think right after this recording, I have to go back, and like I'm going to go through the notes and start changing a whole bunch of things already in understudy. I was doing it as we were speaking right now. Some of these things are mind-blowing tips. Thank you so much, Phil. Okay, thank you. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> yeah my More. brain needs a rest like it's like on overload now <laughs> there's tons of great tips yeah thank you so much for sharing all these uh, great tips if our listeners basically wanted to reach out to you or like find out more about these cool tips that you have uh, under your sleeve, what would be the best way they can reach you? Well thank you very much so my uh, Twitter handle is uh Pbro, so P-B-R-E-A-U-L-T is going to be in the show notes. And if you want to see more of these tips, I put all of the tips of the days that I made into one Google Plus collection that is also going to be linked. And otherwise, there's some roundups and I blog sometime at developerphil.com. Developerphil.com, perfect. We'll add all of those to the show notes. And uh, Don, if folks want to reach out to you and find out what's up in your side of the world with Android Studio and all the other IntelliJ variants that you use? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is going to be through Twitter, and that's going to be at Don Felker, or you can kind of read some of the old stuff that I've rambled on about at donfelker.com. Perfect. And I know there are a couple of Castor.io sessions though, where you have uh, some of these tricks mentioned, so we will make sure to add that in the show notes as well. Definitely. And if folks want to reach out to me, I'm Kaushik Gopal on Twitter and uh, kaush.co is my domain name. So you can uh, have a look at my blog and some of the stuff that I occasionally post there. Uh, The show notes for this episode, uh, as is the case with all episodes, will be at fragmentedpodcast.com slash episodes slash the episode number. Uh, Thank you so much all for listening and uh, we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks again, Phil. It was a pleasure. Thank you.